session here at First Pres, and for those of you in the room and those of you joining us online, welcome to First Pres Tampa. We're so glad that you're here. I um, Do any of y'all wake up in the middle of the night, maybe around 4 a.m., little anxiety, can't go back to sleep? Who was awake at 4 a.m. last night with me? A couple of you? So that happened to me last night, and I found myself, I, I turned to God, I did, and I said, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I gritted my way through the anxiety. And with each passing moment, I felt myself getting tenser and tenser and tenser. And I was like, but I'm praying. I'm telling Jesus I trust him. And I heard God say to me, okay, McLean, why do you trust me? And I said, because you're trustworthy. What a different prayer. Jesus, you're trustworthy. Jesus, you're trustworthy. Jesus, you're trustworthy. It loosened my grip. It loosened my heart. It loosened my anxiety because instead of me saying, I'm going to hold on really tight to Jesus and make it through the night, instead I realized he was the one holding on tight to me. He was the one who was going to help me make it through the night. I think as humans, we have a lot of basic needs, and one of the most basic needs that we typically don't meet is our need to worship Jesus and to tell him who he is, that he is trustworthy, that he is powerful, that he is mighty, because we need to be reminded of who he is so that we can know who we are in him. So for this next hour, that's what you're going to get to do. You're going to get to release your tight grip that you maybe started at 4 a.m. You're going to get to release it and be reminded of who Jesus is and therefore who you are in him. If you're new, I'm so glad you're here. We want to know you. We want to connect with you. And so I would invite you to fill out the connect card so that together we can release um, and find our trust in Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, you are trustworthy. Jesus, you are powerful. Jesus, you are mighty. Jesus, you are our Savior and our Lord. Jesus, you are worthy of our worship of our hearts, of all glory and honor. Help us to release any anxiety we came into this room with and to realize that you're actually the one holding on to us. Lord, we lift up uh, people who are on our hearts and minds. Um, our member and friend, Portia Young, whose daughter, Sydney, has been having headaches. Uh, the doctors can't find answers, and Sydney's in pain. And so, Jesus, we just pray for a mighty healing over her life. We pray that the doctors would find the medicine or um, whatever she needs to just get to, to a place of healing. God, we pray for continued um, just love and support for Eleanor and the loss of her husband, Norm. Jesus, that you would just hold her close, that you would help her take every single step and breath, Jesus, as she misses her dear husband. And we just pray for those um, in this room to come alongside her and offer her comfort. 
And finally, God, we lift up our friend Forrest Bouchal, whose mother died yesterday. Or they celebrated her life yesterday. Jesus, just pray for Forrest and his family um, as they grieve the loss of um, his amazing mom. And just um, pray, God, that you would um, use these next days um, to help them just to grieve and to trust in you. God, thank you for this place. Thank you for this space. Thank you for these friends. Jesus, it's not an accident that we're here this morning. You have something for us. So I pray that we would lean in and that we would find our hope and our trust in you. Amen. I have two somethings for you. The first is I want you to go to the movies. The movie that I want you to go see is called Redeeming Love. It's unbelievable. If you've ever had anything in your life that needs redemption, you're going to resonate with this movie, and there is no one in the room that doesn't need it. Go see the movie. It's at AMC and Regal at West Shore. For most of us, that's the closest place that I know about. You're going to be really glad that you do. If you go and you get what, what and when it happens to you, send me a text and tell me about it. So, some of you have done that. It's awesome. I have one more thing I want to tell you about, which is if you're a parent of a kid who's um, pre-K 4 through 5th through fifth grade, this Friday night we have a little something special for you, and Rachel Godin is going to tell you about it. Mommy! Yes, sweetie, I'll be right there. Mommy, can you make me a snack? Yes, yes, just give me a second. Mommy's trying to work. Mommy! Oh, wow. I could really use a date night or girls' night out. Excuse me, Mommy. I am so sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah. All this time I've been asking, can I please go to First Prince Pajama Jam? It has games and prizes and endless friends. Sounds like a great idea. But wait, there's more. Not only do your children get four hours of Jesus-filled fun, they get dinner, hot chocolate, tons of music, fun and games led by Miss Rachel and some very special friends. Five dollars per child can't be beat. It's a win-win for everyone. Can't wait to see you on February 11th. Sign up today. I just love it, and there's more. If you are the parent of a child from birth to 10 years of age, you are going to want to join our team, McLean Murphy and Rachel Godin, to get the help that you're looking for to talk to your kiddos about the birds and the bees. Trust me, this event is gonna move you from being awkward parent to equipped and confident parent, or a little less awkward parent. It's going to happen this Tuesday night, right here in this room from 6 to 8 p.m. It's $5 if you want to eat dinner for little Leon dinner for you and your kids, or you're welcome to bring food for you and your kids. But friends, this is also the perfect opportunity for you to think of someone you know, a good friend, a neighbor, a family member that might really benefit from something like this. It's a great first step to discover who we are as a church and that we're about being real with each other and practical in ways that really matter. Please register on our website so that we know that you're coming. Again, it's, it's this Tuesday night. I also want to tell you that if you are a young adult in your 20s, in your 30s, we want you to come to Taco Tuesday on Tuesday night, February 22nd, at the home of Sam and Jane Greaves. They're going to host us, which is so fun. And these mixers are about enjoying community and real relationships with each other, with God, by doing life together in very relaxed, authentic and fun ways. We want you to come. So let me know, and those of you that are young adults in the room, take a picture of this so that you can RSVP to me that you're going to join us. I have a really cool picture that I can't wait for you to see this morning. It's going to come right up. There it is. This is a picture of Joanne Harvey, who is a longtime 
First Pres member, and she's surrounded by young adult men from our church on serve day. These men did something really cool. You can tell that she's grinning from ear to ear because Wade Snyder, Matt Dunkel, Sam Greaves, and Jack Mitchell spent the whole day at her house pulling up her old carpet and laying down laminate flooring so that she can get around so much easier in her wheelchair and with her walker. That's why she's grinning. Oh, yeah. They made it very real when God said in Proverbs 11, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Just ask any of these men, and they will tell you that that is 100% true. You know what I mean? So, friends, there are five ways that you can continue to love God by loving his people, by refreshing other people with your time, with your talent, and with your money, just like these men did. We also have a generosity box in the back. Please stand with us.
We're going to learn two words that you probably haven't put together before. We're going to do it right now. You ready? Here are the two words that you know, but we're putting them together. Digital detox. So we're going to say it together, all of us. We're going to say out loud, digital detox. You ready? One, two, three. Digital detox. That's what we're going to work on. We have been trying to understand this climate we live in, and we've called it the ruthless elimination of hurry. And one of the things that un is unique about our world since 2007 when Steve Jobs released the iPhone into the wild is we've become attached to this stuff in a way that hurts us. And we need to detox digitally. That's what we need to do. So that's going to be the takeaway this morning is some encouragement and some concrete ways that we might experiment with that as a part of building for ourselves a trellis which helps us stay attached to Jesus because the digital stuff is pulling us away from God, pulling us away from other people, and even pulling us away from our own souls. That's sort of the thesis that we've been working with. In what ways has technology actually made our lives, your life, my life harder? Here's the answer 
that starts coming up from real research. This is a different book. It's the same color as the one I've been selling. Don't get confused. Okay, this is called The TechWise Family. It's a great book for people who are dealing with family. And I would, it's Andy Crouch. And if you don't remember and you want it and you want to read it, it's really readable. It's really helpful. This is the research that these people are doing. Really good people, the Barna people, B-A-R-N-A. They're totally trustworthy. McLean, here's your book back. In what ways has technology actually made your life harder? Here are the three responses that come up in the research, the three that are at the top. My devices sometimes separate me from other people. About one out of four people say something like that. And four to five out of ten say this. I'm more distracted, but here's the winner. I waste a lot of time. And I hear the groan. I'm, I'm so in this with you and all of the above and being in need of detox and in trying to get a trellis. I just want you to know this is so much of where I am and I, I'm all in in this journey that we're on together. If you're a parent, you are a parent. What makes it more difficult to raise kids today? This is what the research says. A lack of of common or shared morality. Yes, that's important. Second to the top, the world is more dangerous. Absolutely. But double digits out in front of anything else in first place, technology and social media, making it hard for you to parent your kids. We'll say more about that in a few minutes, but hurried is where we end up finding ourselves. And this is what I want you to do with me. Face the brutal facts. That's what we're doing here. We're telling the truth about reality as it is. Great guy wrote a book called Good to Great, Jim Collins, a business guy out of Colorado State. And one of the principles about being great is facing the facts. So I'm inviting you to put your head into the game here because we're going to go head to heart to hands and feet this morning. But your head first has to accept the possibility that what we're talking about is true and real. Is it reality or not, this digital carnivore that's trying to devour you? And it's doing a pretty good job. Apparently parents are saying it makes it really hard to raise kids, this social media stuff. What happens? We get cut off. This is like 55,000-foot observation. We get cut off from God when we're attached to something else. We get cut off from other people when we're attached to something else, and we even lose touch with ourselves. That's sort of flying around at 50,000 feet. Here's more granular with respect to the way our lives are going today with the digital world, with social media. Here's what's happening. Polarization, slander, blame-shifting, cultural drivel. Nobody's really sharing and learning and listening and growing. That's what's happening. But here, maybe even more important than all of that, which is unpleasant, rage, anger, all that's going on out there. Here's what's really, really maybe shared up across the board. Anxiety. Here's what I would say. On the continuum of structure, chaos. Our culture is way over on the chaos side because in the world of social media, whew, there's everything possible out there. And human beings, when there's too much structure, we suffocate. But when there's not enough, when it's chaos, we're anxious. Did you hear what McLean just said? She woke up this morning anxious. Who has anxiety in their life that wasn't there a few years ago? I'm telling you, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just telling you, this is not easy for us. And so we need to detox Digitally, I'm inviting us to engage our minds in facing the brutal facts, the reality, the truth. And one of them is all of this. There's another really fantastic fact that we need to talk about. Jesus. He's just as real. He's more real. So I want you to think with me about the realities of our culture. It's different than the 18th century. They had their struggles, but we have ours today. And this digital thing is one of them, right square in front. 
That's one brutal fact. Another one is not brutal, but it's a fact. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And we're going to take a look at how he makes a difference right now. And we're starting to move. I want you to let your heart begin to engage, accepting the facts about who our world, what our world is and what we're going to about to say about Jesus. We're going to then let our hearts start to get turning towards motivation to take some steps to make differences. So here we go. A little, bo- about, little more about Jesus. This is a, a text that we're probably going to talk about the whole nine weeks that we're doing this. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. We're going to leave it up here for a while. I have a few things I want to say about it. But here's what's in it. You ready? You're being invited. There's invitation in it. There's transformation in it. And there's multiplication in it. How about that? I made that up all by myself. (laughs) Invitation, transformation, multiplication. In fact, those three words are a way of summarizing what it means to be a Jesus follower what it means to be an apprentice to the rabbi Jesus. Those three words. You want to know what is a follower of Jesus? Someone who responds to Jesus' invitation, someone who allows him or herself to be transformed by Jesus, and somebody who goes on Jesus' multiplication mission because he wants us to love people, catch people, and help people do what? Respond to the invitation, find themselves transformed, and then they go out and help multiply. And then guess what? Geometric progression. And that's what's going on. That's why we're in this building. That's why we're in this neighborhood, to go love people well. But I digressed a moment. But back to the text. Take a look at this thing carefully. It's all in there. Come to me. There's the invitation. Three three words in Greek, three words in English. All you who are weary and heavily burdened. If you find anger in yourself, if there's something about your marriage, if you're anxious and it's sort of amorphous and you can't really get your hands on it, if you're so furious about the polarization that's out there that's political, and on and on it goes, and we all have strong views about these things, but are we tired? Does it feel like a heavy burden? Oh, and Jesus, who is the truth Look at what he's saying to us. Look at how Jesus responds to whatever it is, including our experiment with detoxing digitally. Look at what he says. I will give you rest. That's what I need. Now, this is how it works. He goes from way up here down to the real steps we take. Take my yoke. What he means by that for us this morning is this. Join me on my mission and purpose for you in your life. Now, we're not around yoked animals, but Jesus' first hearers would have seen oxen yoked together plowing fields. And almost none of us sees that in a regular way, so we don't really fully understand it. But the the physics of the yoke helps to spread the load out. But notice what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke, which means he's the person standing next to you. Who's doing the heavy load-bearing work? Jesus is. And then the next verb is so good. And learn Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. But get, get so close to me that my habits, my attitudes, my disposition, my daily activity and practice, all that stuff takes over inside us. And we, we're close to Jesus. And therefore, we start changing from the inside out. He invites us. Then he transforms us. And he's taking us with him on his mission. It all sort of happens at the same time. Don't think it's linear because I don't, I don't think it is. You can do any one of those things and you're doing all of them sort of at the same time. We, we respond to him and we allow him to change us and we go on mission. And then we look back a year later and I'm a different person. So it's all happening at the same time. Kind of a lovely woven garment. Invitation. Transformation. 
multiplication. Another reason I mentioned the multiplication part is because of this. It's not being a member of the family of Jesus is not about me getting mine and sitting on it. Oh, no. If that's what we think, it's time for a correction. If you have Jesus' love inside of you because you're close to him and you're learning from him, you can't help yourself. You want to love other people. And that's when we really know that we're changing, when we're transformed. When we go and do something, you applauded those four or five men that fixed Joanne's house. You sensed it. You know it was right. And wasn't that fantastic, the generosity of their talent and gift to go and help? And you, you could you just, it was spontaneous. And I'm back there thinking, man, that's awesome. I'm going to stick that in my sermon. Because <laughs> I knew what I was going to say. You didn't. But you really do respond. And we all respond to generosity because it's just obvious. So, yeah, we don't sit on it to get ours and then hope everybody else is going to be okay. That's not it at all. Jesus invites him. We're tired. Maybe we're angry. Maybe there's something really important in our life, and I'm just not getting it right. Maybe, I have, maybe I'm carrying shame around. Maybe I'm carrying guilt around, and I said I accepted forgiveness, but I didn't. Go see that movie, Redeeming Love. Oh, there's not a person in this room that doesn't need to release some guilt that you really, really haven't released yet. You need to release it, and this movie will get you there. A restful load. Here's a, here's a way out. What does it mean to be, how, how can you have a light burden? See, Jesus is not saying there, that and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm just scratching, dude, what are you talking about? He's not saying life is easy. What Jesus is saying, if you'll let me use this word, try well-being. So that's a great way of translating the beautiful Hebrew word shalom, which is peace. Now, he doesn't use the word peace here. He says his burden is light. But I think he's talking about this, the presence of God. You're in proximity to Jesus. And somehow, whatever comes, stuff that's good and enjoyable and stuff that's really hard, either way, there's a sense when we're close to Jesus of well-being that I can do this no matter what. And that's what's going to happen in a few minutes when we take the bread and the cup. If you're watching online, now's a good time. I should have told you earlier. Run, get it real quickly, and then come back because I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. <laughs> Well-being means I can, be, I can find some way of being content in my relationship with Jesus when we're yoked together, even though I'm really working hard. So li life is not easy, but the yoke... Of the burden is sitting on Jesus' shoulders. He makes me in a new person. There, there's peace, there's joy, there's contentment being close to him, even when things are hard. We learned this morning of Roger Pierce, who's an active part of life of this church. He and Jenny Bell Pierce, and they have three kids and another one on the way and all that kind of stuff. And Roger has a first cousin who's um, fighting what looks like terminal cancer. And I know Roger and Jenny well, and I know that this will be really hard for them. And who knows what's going to happen. But there's well-being. And they shared, and we prayed. That was this morning before we gathered here. And, and so how do you get through cancer? How do you get through the loss of a person you love? We've prayed this morning for Eleanor, who's here. And Norm died a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to have the memorial service this Saturday at 11 o'clock out at University Village. Well, well-being comes from family. Well-being comes from other people who are yoked to Jesus, and they help us. But there's still there's even more. It's about me being able to sense that God is right there with me. So I hope the reality, the truth of the brutal facts of our culture, along with the beautiful reality, it's not a brutal fact, it's an unbelievably joyful fact, of Jesus, the load-bearer, who if we take up residence with him, and learn from him will transform us, and he will take us with him on his mission to love people really well and draw people to himself so they become agents of Jesus. They, get, they respond yes to the invitation. They get transformed, and they go back on the mission. All unbelievable. So there's our heads are, are examining these true things, and I want your heart to want it. I want my heart to want it. And I'm standing here telling you I want it. I want to be different. I want to be transformed. I want that trellis over there. 
Now look at the bougainvillea. It's prospering. It's a vine, and it's attached to the trellis, so it's, it's being pointed in a direction. It's being lifted. It's being given space. Those are three ways of sort of summarizing what the trellis does for us. You and I are the branches. Jesus is the vine. Our job when we do digital detox is to get that out of the way so we can stay attached to Jesus. And that's what I want your heart. I want you to choose with me to surrender to Jesus. Yes, throw the yoke on me. I want to go with you. I'll get out of the way and let you. I will learn from you. Let you make me into a new person. That's what I want. Is your heart turning? Maybe you've never even surrendered to Jesus. Maybe this you're thinking about it for the first time saying, I'm in. Come on. Dive in. Tell somebody if that's where you are. Or any place, any stage in this conversation, tell somebody about it. Don't keep it to yourself. So here we are. Our, our minds are just telling the truth about the reality that's out there. We're looking at things. And another thing about the digital world, here's what I would suggest to you. Most of us aren't asking the question, what is this doing to me? We're asking it here together, but on a daily basis, we're, we might not do that. It got out in front of us. It happened to us before we had a chance to say, what's this doing to me? Let me suggest to you cautious or appropriate cynicism. Use that. This is stuff that's just not all good. It's not. Hands and feet. Here's some, some kind of recommendations on how we can defy the digital carnivore. You ready? Guidelines. They're up in front of you. Start small. Don't try to be something you're not. I'm asking you to get up 15 minutes earlier. If you're brand new at building a trellis that helps you as a branch stay attached to the vine who is Jesus. If you're brand new at that and have, have little or no kind of practice, schedule, daily habit, if you have none of that, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to set your alarm for 10 or 15 minutes earlier. I mean, for, yes, set your alarm 10 or 15 minutes earlier and go to sleep, oh, by the way, 10 or 15 minutes earlier. So that's small. Can you do it? Can you go to sleep a little earlier? Come on. What are you doing anyway? You're wasting time. I was, I was eating Cheez-Its. I'm telling you what I was doing. I was eating Cheez-Its and bleh, and watching junk on television until 1 o'clock in the morning. There was no way I could get up when I do now. You can go to bed earlier, and you're going to need to. Because what's going to happen is instead of, here's the first thing we do if, we're, if we don't have a discipline. The very first thing we do you're probably using it for your alarm clock. You grab it, email, text message, and dive into social media. Heads are nodding. No, no, no shame here. That's what we all do. And it didn't, we didn't think about it. It just happened. <laughs> Don't take my phone away from me. It's right here, baby. Start small. I promise you. That's what we need to do. Start small. You can do it. Call it my 10 or my 15. And just go at it for a while. Second thing I want to suggest, building a guidelines that really make good sense for how to build some routines into our life, into our schedule, so that we stay attached to Jesus. Okay? Be specific. Five minutes, the first five minutes, read your Bible. doesn't matter what order. Five more minutes, pray. And it sometimes helps to write. Start out praying about other people. Because if you start out with yourself, guess what? You'll never think about anybody else. <laughs> Again, just speaking for myself. <laughs> Maybe five minutes of quiet. Maybe there's some other, dis there's, there's 10 or 12 or 14 kind of classic things that people do to stay attached to Jesus. The digital stuff is brand new. These 10 or 12 or 14 things, they've been around since Jesus. Right? So that some of this is new, some isn't. So that was the second one. Third one, maintain a healthy balance of downstream and upstream practices. And what I mean by this is sometimes, you know, it's easier to swim with the current. 
So do most of what you do. Make it stuff that you already can do. If you, if you can and you will, pick one thing, maybe two, but I'd suggest just one that's really upstream stream swimming. I'll tell you what I am doing that's upstream. I'm getting a D minus. <laughs> so I, I, I do have quite a bit. I, I'm an hour alone quiet every morning, starting at 5 o'clock. And I, I just tell you that because I want you to know that I'm all in this. And I've grown in how I do it. And I have in the last two months put quiet into it because I wasn't quiet. I was listening to music. It was cheating. But, I, but here's the hard part for me, the one of them, journaling. I don't know why. And, and here's what McLean told me to do. McLean is sitting right over here. She's one of my friends, and she's helping to disciple me even as I help to disciple her. McLean told me, Fitz, do you have your journal with you? <laughs> so I'm going to get a star just for putting it in my car and taking it with me. So tomorrow morning, it will be with me. We'll see if I actually write in it. A journal's not a diary. Because what I'm doing is listening to myself and saying, what are the deepest desires inside of me? And that will be where I start writing. And I have been thinking about deep desires, but I'm going to put them down on that book. So that was, that was a third thing. There, and there's no rush. Um, the fourth thing is to talk with other people who you know are trying to build a trellis people who, wanted, who, are, who are Jesus apprentices, Jesus followers, and you know because you're friends with them that they're doing this. And make it a part of your daily or weekly or whatever habit to touch base. How's it going? How's it going? And then what will happen is there'll be a kind of a natural bridge of relationship. We'll create a little bit of holding each other up. And it's a, it's a form of accountability, but you're, you're not there to yell at anybody. It's just, if I, if it's just, hey, how's it going? And you'll hear something that will encourage you. And you'll, it, you'll hear something that will maybe get you going in a new direction that you like better than the one you were going. So, and the last one I wanted to say is take into consideration where you are in your life as a Jesus follower. And I want to, th- want to suggest to you the, the human cycle of life and turn that into a spiritual cycle. So you have human beings who are infants, then you have children then you have human beings who are young adults, and then you have human beings or parents, okay? So just those four for the sake of talking about it. Wherever you think you are spiritually, be nice to yourself there. That's a little bit like start where you are. Wherever you are, it's okay where you are. It's okay where you are. Come as you are. But, and then I would suggest to you that if you're able to say, well, I feel like I'm like a child, That's not a pejorative thing. It just is what it is. A seven-year-old is seven years old. But what comes next and to get from child to young adult really is to see the world out there and go and engage in and help other people. It's a big step. But but that's to go into the details. Where are you in your sort of spiritual development? And I want you to want it. I want you to want more. I want more. And I want you to want more. I want to be spiritually mature, and I don't mean by that self-righteous. I mean somebody who, who is, I can live inside the skin of my purpose. I want to help other people. I want to help other people meet Jesus and become disciples themselves. That's what parenting is, having a baby. I want to be a spiritual parent and help people get born into and grow in that development cycle. So we have uh, some resources online. I think that slide should be next. There, nope, that's not it. It's not next. Well, then I'll just shift and do this next. <laughs> so here's some stuff. You ready? Here's some stuff that you could consider. None of this is, there's no order here. And we're back to the particulars of digital detox. Here's some stuff that you might consider doing to help you with the new practice in your life or practices to, unde- to detox. Watch this. The first one is, you ready? Stand in line. Don't. There we go. Don't pull out your phone when you're standing in line at Publix or Starbucks. So what I see, and I do it, people in line, they're not talking to each other. What are they doing in Publix? They're either tapping their toe because they got in the wrong line or they got this thing out or both. Just don't and see what happens. You'll survive. I promise you. 
I got another one. Parent your phone. Put it to bed before you go to sleep and make it stay in bed until you've been up a little while. Huh? You understand? That's really, I mean, that's a great way of thinking about it. This thing will take over your life. This phone will like a child. Am I wrong? Parent your phone. Just another suggestion. If you use your phone for an alarm, you probably can't not do what I already said, which is check your email, check your texts, and go on social media. If you use it for an alarm. If you do, put it in the other room, because remember you parented it, and get an alarm clock. You remember what those were? If you can get your phone as an alarm and go straight to Scripture without going to do all that other stuff, so be it. Again, this is just suggestions, and one of them may resonate with you. What's another one here? Turn off your alerts. One screen at a time. I'm starting to shake even thinking about trying that one. Because what are you doing while you're sitting and watching television? And it's not about me being right or wrong here. I just think it winds me up into a mess. What's another one here? No phone. This is like, I'm going to be dogmatic here. No phone at the dinner table. Huh? No phone at the dinner table. Let's be a big family that does not get our phone out and look at stuff while we're sitting with our family eating. Not allowed. This is the first commandment. (laughs) That one is so easy to just say and believe. I don't know how we could object to that. But there we go. Turn alert. It's windscreen time. No phone at the dinner table. Don't take your phone out, parents, when you're at your kids' events. You know what? Little Johnny gets a single, and he looks up, and you're looking down. It's not about guilt. I get it. you got time. It's boring going to Little League games. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, shoot yourself in the head. Do that. Don't get your phone out. <laughs> when you go home, I'm just shaken to tell you this one. When you go home, put it in another room. Put it over there and go. I have a corollary of that that I experimented with just yesterday. I took my beautiful six-and-a-half-pound shih tzu. Her name is Tally. Say anything bad about Tally and we're going to have a problem. But I took her, as I do, daily, two or three times on her walk. So she can just, we go out and walk, and she can do her business. And I would say to myself, well, i got to take my phone because, and I'd say something like this, something might happen. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) Yesterday, for the first time, I put my phone down and walked my dog. And, oh, If it was ringing, I didn't care because I didn't know. If the text message thing was buzzing, I have the sound off. And so guess what I did this morning when I woke my beautiful six-and-a-half-pound shih tzu up and took her for a walk? No phone. It's a new habit for me. And you know what? It wasn't that hard. No phone when you're doing stuff with your kids. I just saw the time. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't even have said that. I'm, I'm going to scramble through these last ones. When you're doing stuff with your kids, same thing. It's, a, it's a, like if you're at a baseball game, it's boring, and you're going out of your mind. Little Johnny gets hit, but you didn't see it. When you're with your kids, another way of saying this is car time is conversation time. By yourself in your car, break the habit of getting your phone out and looking at text messages when you're at a stop sign or a traffic light. Just try to stop doing it. I to you, I will try to stop as well. If I tell you I don't do that, I. So I'm just going to stop there because we want to do this. We want to draw near to Jesus. We, we, we're off the phone right now. We don't have our device. We're not distracted. We can be with each other, and we can be with Jesus, and that's what we're going to do. Jesus is, in effect, saying the solution isn't more time to our cultural plague of hurry. What Jesus is saying is the solution is proximity to me, drawing near to me, learning from me because you've yoked yourself to me. And that's in effect what he says. The reason the burden is gentle and light 
is because Jesus did the heavy lifting. Everything about our lives that's broken, those things are repaired in the death and resurrection of Jesus. He body broken for you, he says. He also says that his blood, which is going to be spilled, covers us with newness, with forgiveness, with redemption, with being made over again, with transformation. You and I, when we eat Jesus' body and drink Jesus' blood, we become agents of multiplication. We love other people really well, not because we're better, not because we're better, because we're not better. We love people really well because we've been loved. This is the love of Jesus for you and for me. So you have... Jesus' body and blood here in a little cup in front of you. It was on your chair. So we're all together going to take the bread. Don't go to the juice yet. Friends, yoked to Jesus, his body. And once again, yoked to Jesus, the burden and his blood. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we want it. <laughs> we want it bad. <laughs> we want to attach ourselves to you. We want to be yoked to you. We want to build on our trellis a set of practices that fights off the carnivore, and allows us to stay close to you. Thank you for this meal, your body and your blood, that also attaches to you. Send us into your world to love people the way that we've been loved, the way Jesus loved. Thank you, gracious God, that we get to do this as a family. And we always gather, we sing, we pray, we listen, we work, we learn in the name of Jesus, that is, under his authority. Amen. My good friends, as the band does a little outro, I want you to go out there and get amongst them. I want you to want it. And if you're in, say, yeah. Come on.